pick it. She lays it off. Teresa Polias. It's an absolute peach. Is driving. What a hit from Melina Rez. Wow. And Sam Kerr has a hat trick. I'm your host, Pong. I'm joined as always by Josh Paris, but a baby face Josh Paris with, with a shave here. You know, I'm just, I, I saw you and I was like, whoa, did somebody else, did you age like five years down? What happened? Yeah, it's my de-aging process. Whenever I feel like I'm the grandpa here at the studio, which I frequently do these days uh, with the likes of you hanging around, <laughs> I, I have to reach for the razor and that's what I did. No, it was because I was on a plane and I didn't want to wear a mask with a beard for a long period of time. Okay. Fair, fair, fair. That's all right. Well, with only three days till the start of the new A-League women's season, see, I got it right this time, we thought, you know, let's preview it. That's important. So we've got an expert, Joey Lynch, the busiest man in Melbourne in football, I reckon, writing for The Guardian, ESPN, Yahoo. Joey, who do you not write for at this point? Uh, Anybody that doesn't pay. (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Well, Joey... This new season, there's been a long wait for the season to start. What are your thoughts for the upcoming season? Are we going to get a better season than we did last year? Listen, I think the new era of Australian football, both for men's and women's football, is being heavily driven by narrative when it comes to what is better. Um, uh, the, the, without a doubt, last season of the A-League women wasn't of the same quality that we have had in years past simply because of the number of departures. There were no, obviously, the exodus of Matildas to Europe as well as a host of other players. However that season still went down as one of the more uh, enjoyed and entertaining because of the narrative factors behind it, such as the young players coming through, surprises, storylines, all of that sort of thing. So um, in terms of this season, I'd say it does have the potential to be a better season than last year and, in fact, one of the better seasons in general because there are so many narratives that one can weave uh, surrounding the upcoming months in terms of all the things that are happening in Australian football, the players that will emerge, uh, the clubs that will emerge. So um, the table is set for, for it to be a good season, but you can never guarantee anything in football. Well, go on. For oh, your, you see, it's Josh, your show. You see it's your show. Here, come on. Well, look, Stop. there's a lot of churn in the off season, Joey. Uh, which team do you think is most affected by this, and which team is going to be the most out of sync on match day one, like me and Bakura at the moment on the two mics? <laughs> well, there's been, to be honest, as you said, there's been a lot of churn in a whole bunch uh, of the teams. But then again, whether that's a good or a, a bad thing is entirely relative. I mean, I think. Mm. Perth Glory have over a dozen new signings to their team, but when they are entering a campaign uh, coming off the back of a season in which they only secured a single point and didn't win a game, is churn necessarily a bad thing? And then you've got sides like Brisbane Raw that for a little while last season, it looked like they were going to maybe escape unscathed the exodus of Matildas. They had the likes of uh, Gielnik and Gorry and Polkinghorn um, and Yallop. Now only um, Katrina Gorry remains. So there is a bit of turnover over there. Uh, I mean, 
in terms of them to sides being dysfunctional and not clicking into gear week one, I think there is a chance that whilst, yes, there will inevitably some rust, it might not be as bad as years past simply because for a lot of the teams this season, they've had the very rare luxury of an extended preseason. Uh, NPLW competitions around the country mm. being affected by COVID and shutting down early, particularly in uh, NPL Victor- NPLW Victoria and NPLW New South Wales, it has allowed some of these sides uh, to get players in sooner and begin training earlier. Uh, Victory have been training for a, a few months now, I think, um, paying players while they were training, which is, you know, what we love to see. And I think that's been pretty standard around the competition. So, um there is a chance that a lot of these sides, yes, maybe not as many opportunities to play games coming in, but they'll have trained a lot together. So that might uh, mitigate some of the factors surrounding rust. Speaking of this year, a lot of teams have had a little bit more cohesion due to like less you know, COVID disruptions. With the likes of Melbourne City, Newcastle and Perth finishing so poorly last season, not having the greatest season, which of those three teams can you expect, can fans expect to maybe have a resurgence um, as such? I'd say all of them are shaping as being better, but I think Melbourne City is shaping as um, having the best season. A bit of a spoiler Mm. alert, in my Guardian A-League Women's Season preview, I have Melbourne City finishing third. Um, I think they have... uh, I would have loved it if they had signed more Victorian players because ostensibly until Western United enter the league, they are one of the two pathways for Victorian players. Um, But I think they have more Queenslanders on their books than Victorians at the moment. Um, But they have, but at the end of the day, Rado Vidasic, it's his job to win games first and foremost. And I think he has this team at his disposal to to do that. Um, We obviously... Uh, they have some strong talent there already in the forms of the likes of um, Emma Checker, who's coming back, um, Hannah Wilkinson, who has signed uh, during the offseason. And I think she's really going to be big for them because what they were screaming out for last season was a striker that could put the ball in the back of the net. They experimented with a variety of players that aren't really strikers, the likes of um, Chinatsu Kira and Alex Chidiak in more forward roles. Didn't really work. Now they've got an out-and-out striker to bang the ball in. Um, Rebecca Stott is going to return and Rebecca is going to have to build up her fitness as the season goes on, but she is a world-class presence in the locker room um, and she's adaptable as well in terms of what she can do. And I'm not going to give too much away, but I think Rebecca Stott, even in week one, what she does will surprise a few people. Well, they've had Stotty come back into the squad, but a big um, departure from the club has been Tegan Micah. How are City going to be able to stay like competitive. They've got a lot of new players. That stability at the back from them last year was really important. How are they going to mitigate that loss? Well, uh, I think they generally have, I think they've signed, I think it's Sally James um, to play in goal for them this year. And um, City generally do a pretty good job of having someone uh, Matilda's or Matilda's adjacent in goal. Um, for them, and I believe Sally James has been in and around youth international teams uh, before, so that should help on that front. And I think um, City in general have always been pretty defensively uh, sound as a unit. Rado Vidicic knows how to coach. He will be able to um, get that side 
uh, up and operating well defensively. They've also signed uh, Winona Heatley in the last few days, so she could come in and help reinforce them as well. Um, I've got big wraps on Naomi Chinema, um, who spent the past season at South Melbourne in the NPLW, and um, she's got a lot of fans at Melbourne City. So I think defensively they should be okay, especially considering that um, Emma Checker, she'll have a bit between her teeth this season. I mean, she's got to have a big season to keep her 2023 Women's World Cup hopes alive. So she is going to be highly motivated. Well, Joey, I was up in Canberra over the weekend. I could feel the excitement for the return of some professional sport to the city. Uh, look, Manuka Oval was looking beautiful as I walked past. Michelle Heyman obviously broke all sorts of goal-scoring records in her return last season, and now they're rehabilitating another prematurely retired player in Ashley Sykes. How big an impact do you think she can make? Inevitably, I think returning to professional football, there are always questions. She did spend a number of uh, years away from the game. I mean, she played some in the NPLW. She was also an assistant coach uh, for a while with Canberra. So um, just how quickly it takes her to adjust and hit, um, get back on her feet at a professional level um, will be interesting. But she's going to be playing um, next to uh, Michelle Heyman. She's going to have Aaliyah Toby backing her up there at Canberra as well. So she won't have to carry the whole load for Canberra. She's going to be able to ease into it. So I think she will uh, potentially prove a bit of a difference maker for Canberra. Canberra, I think it's, it's a bit of an interesting situation that there are after uh, the top two teams in uh, A-League women's, there are ostensibly six Seven, you could argue argue for six teams that could potentially slot into those final two finals positions. So at present, and I reserve the right to change my mind, uh, depending upon any late, uh, late additions to squads, I would have Canberra finishing fourth. Um, I've got questions on the defensive ends, but I think they're going to be, you know, very good moving forward. So, and goals win you football matches. Well, if we head further north up into the uh, Queensland, they have lost a lot of players with the likes of Tamika Yallop, uh, Emily Gilnick and Claire Polkinghorne all leaving um, at the end of last season. They may be a team that may, will miss their last season form. Are they going to struggle this year or have the uh, new incumbent players good enough to fill those uh, positions left? Well, I mean, sometimes it just feels like Brisbane are going to be continuously success, successful in the A-League Women's. I think they are the second most successful team in the competition's history uh, after Sydney FC. And I think Brisbane, one could probably make the argument ha- uh, no side in the competition's history have done such an excellent job of developing and fostering local talent um, like uh, Brisbane Raw slash Queensland Raw back in their early days have done so. You just need to look at the Matilda squad to see uh, the rich vein of talent that has poured out of Queensland um, in the past decade and a half. And that speaks not only to the Raw, I guess, but also the developmental pathways that have been instituted um, in Queensland. And if they are to have young players coming through, they've got the right coach to do it. Gareth McPherson um, is a former assistant to Mal Andrietta at the club back when they won a premiership. So he knows what it takes to win with the Raw, but he's also spent time in the National Training Centre up there in Queensland. He coaches the Queensland Academy of Sports side in NPLW Queensland. So he knows 
not only who the best young players and the best players in NPLW Queensland are, he also has experience in developing and fostering talent. So mm. if they are to find that next uh, diamond to come out of the Sunshine State, he would be a good candidate to do it. What do you make of the coaching change there? I mean, you mentioned the new, the new incoming coach seems to have good credentials, but replacing your manager after a second place finish seems a little bit harsh to me. Uh, I, I don't really, I don't have too many uh, ins in the mm. local Queensland scene, so I'm not sure. This is unfortunately uh, an A-League a women's competition where coaches are not full-time uh, coaches. Sure. They do have other commitments. I know uh, read, a, read a story with Ash Wilson recently in which she'll spend most of her days teaching and then go and coach the Newcastle Jets and spend most of her nights preparing the next session or the game plan or uh, grading students' homework. Work. Um, so the career factors could be an issue. I can't really comment uh, beyond speculation around that. Well, Gaff is one of the new coaches in the league. Will he be one who surprises a lot of people or will he be one of those ones that will be on the hot seat very early or will there be another uh, manager around the league? I don't think he's going to be on the hot seat early just simply because this is a young Queen, uh, mm. Queensland-based side, a Queensland-influenced side in transition. I think he'll be given time. The, the coach, I think, is going to surprise a lot of people in a good way. Um, I, think is, I think is Alex Aparkas out uh, at Perth Glory. Um, it, it kind of, I think it's been sort of glossed over just how much of a poison chalice he was handed at that club last season with the border restrictions, the inability to properly recruit, the um, short time he had to prepare his sides, the messed up schedule they had to play. Um, So I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. I mentioned there. Uh, large turnover in their squad, bringing over a dozen players. This is a squad that bears a lot more of a Parkas' fingerprints on. I think pretty sure he was the first coach to get out there and um, start recruiting players. I mean, it felt like the season was barely over and then here was Perth Glory announcing a whole bunch of Uh, young and overlooked players from the Eastern Seaboard. I mean, he must have been haunting uh, some of the NPLW Victoria commentary streams that myself and Josh were doing because he signed a number of talented young players from that system as well as New South Wales, which you'd expect given that he's a former Sydney University coach. So I think he is going to surprise a lot of people in a very good way. What about Wellington Phoenix then? The newcomers to the competition have almost uh, gone under the radar here because they're likely to be playing games in Wollongong due to the border situation. Maybe the New Zealand media not so interested in hyping them up when there's no home games to attend. Uh, I saw something on Twitter where there was only one journalist at their Zoom conference, which, I mean, Joey, that sometimes happens in Melbourne. So yeah, it reminds uh... me of my all those one-on-one conversations I had with Emma Checker and Jenna McCormick last year at the City <laughs> Press Conferences. So not too unusual in an occurrence, unfortunately. But uh, what do you make of uh, this side that they've assembled? Uh, it's good to just have the league expanded first and foremost, but uh, on the name recognition index, at least, it doesn't rate too highly for me, to be honest. It doesn't rate very highly at all. With apologies to our Kiwi uh, bros um, and sisters, they're going to take their lumps this season. The veteran in the squad 
is Annabelle Martin. Um, so in the outfields, at least. So they're going to take some lumps. This is going to be a very young team. Um, the hope will just be that if they are to take their lumps, uh, they take them in a way that allows this to become a learning opportunity. It, it's, to be honest, it's quite a big task in front of Gemma Lewis, their coach, who also doubles up as coach of New Zealand's under-20s uh, women's side because they're going to lose and they're going to cop a couple of thrashings, I imagine. So it's going to be her job to make sure that these young players don't drop their heads um, don't become disillusioned or damaged um, by the heavy defeats. And they use them as learning experiences. They use them as a, maybe a way to build chemistry and a sense of camaraderie. And they use it as, yes, we're losing games, but we're building a foundation here, not just for a new A-League women's franchise, but also for New Zealand's football, not just heading into a 2023 Women's World Cup. I think that coming tournament tends to overshadow the fact that a lot of these moves that are coming in to coincide with that tournament are really around building a legacy and a foundation for a self-sustaining, strong women's ecosystem after that. So that has to be the focus, I think, making sure that they keep their heads up, take their lumps, maybe pinch a win, um, and then just bigger and better things in the years ahead. Absolutely. Well, Joey, last year, great grand final, Melbourne victory versus Sydney FC. These, these sides have kind of gone a little bit of different direction in the off-season. Sydney have lost uh, some key players and Melbourne Victory have managed to retain a lot of their quality players. How do you see both those sides this season going? They're going to be top two. Um, once again, I think there is a clear gap in quality that exists between Melbourne Victory and Sydney FC and the rest of the competition. And I think there are... You're right, Sydney FC have lost a couple of big players, especially I think Teresa Polias and Ellie Brush, Polias, midfield general, what could be considered a bit of a heart and soul of Sydney FC, um, stepping away to start a family, I believe it was. Um, and then Ellie Brush, so unfortunately lost to an ACL injury, another ACL injury, the the great uh, demon that descends upon women's sport, the ACL injury taking her out. Those are two big losses, but... They're another side that they will be good going forward. They've got that triumvirate, triumvirate up front. Remy Seamson, Princess Abini, and Courtney Vine. I've got huge raps on Courtney Vine. I remember injuring, um, not injuring her, interviewing her and profiling <laughs> I hope her. Not. I hope not, John. Uh, She's suffered some on. pretty serious injuries. I hope <laughs> yeah, you're responsible, Joe. Uh, oh, God, no. <laughs> I remember um, interviewing her when she was a member of the Newcastle Jets um, as a rising star, and it's great to see her kicking on now. Um, if she hadn't been lost to an injury um, heading into the finals of last campaign, who knows what happens both for Sydney FC and for Vine herself. I'm almost certain that we would be, have seen Vine make a Matilda's uh, debut at some point had she not suffered that injury. So really looking to forward to seeing um, what she can do. So Sydney will be there or thereabouts. Um, I know Jessica Nash baptism of fire against the United States earlier in the week, one that will she will want to forget, but playing for Sydney FC, she will not be playing the reigning world champions every single week, so hopefully um, she can improve and develop as a defender. Um, and then looking uh, on the Victorian side of things, Melbourne Victory, they're the team to beat. Um, they have lost a few players, but Angie Beard for Courtney Nevin, 
um, is would generally be seen as a like for like. I think at this stage of their careers, definitely that Beard is a better player, um, especially in that victory system. However, Nevin, huge wraps on her throughout women's football. She now can come down and work under Jeff Hopkins and we'll see um, what she can do. Um, Lisa Devana is gone, but Melbourne Victory are very confident that the likes of, um, well, Leah Privatelli, if nothing else, can certainly replace the grunt and the mongrel that Lisa Devana has uh, left at Melbourne Victory. And I do think that Melina Raz, I think Melina Raz, um, I've got huge wraps on Melina Raz. I think she is primed if she can stay fit, if she can keep at it, get her head down and work hard. I think Melina Raz is primed to have a breakout golden boot winning season and to, I think she should have been in a squad already, given some of the players that uh, have been getting call-ups in the last few um, camps. But I think Melina Raz will give Tony Gustafsson no choice but to take a look at her in a full, proper Matilda's camp at some point. Well, we had her on last week, Melina, and we did ask her about it. We're a good luck charm. I'm telling you, if it happens, we're taking full credit for it at the end of the season. Go Uh, on. uh, Look, she was pretty circumspect. Yes, Joey, come on. She said she, quote, unquote, wasn't too cut about being left out. But uh, I I think I was more disappointed than she was. She's a pretty chill character. Well, She's a very chill character. Well, Joey, before we let you go, I've got two quick questions for you. Is your finals predictions Sydney FC versus Melbourne Victory a replay? And we like to ask every person who comes on the show... Who are some players that people should be looking out for in the A-League women's this year? At this stage, it would be Melbourne Victory and Sydney FC purely because, as I mentioned, the golfing class. um, That's not to say there's not going to be some last-minute surprise W-League signings as they're often are. Is that a coin? Yeah. Did you say W-League just then, Josh? Come on. Oh, God. We only say the right name We have a swear jar going on here on Radio Dub this season. (laughs) Uh, we actually do. I've got the sound effect somewhere. But, uh, yeah, that's a that's a dollar in the swear jar for me. And radio. Well, indeed, there are some late signings that are on the horizon. Most of them, I wouldn't say, would upset that prediction and possibly one of them would even strengthen that prediction quite a lot um, if it comes off. Um, however, yeah, that quality exists at, at the top. Melbourne City, if it all goes right, could crash the party. As I said, Canberra, Brisbane, if things go right, because it's the dub. Chaos is um, even more so than um, the A-League men competition, which runs off chaos. It seems that every year the dub finds a way to one-up itself. Um, So I have no doubt that um, something will happen this season that makes me look like a complete fool (laughs) or more of a fool than I already am. Um, And in terms of players to watch this season... There's so many. Um, 2023, of course, is on the horizon. There's so many to watch, players pressing their case. But one, a a player that I've got a lot of raps on, a player that is a pet project of Jeff Hopkins at Melbourne Victory. I think he sees a little bit of himself in her, the hard-nosed defender, Polly Doran, um, on uh, the wing back at Melbourne Victory. I love her story. She came through. She came through. She didn't go into the elite pathway. She came through playing for the Essendon Royals, called the United, never sniffed the junior or young Matilda's side. But here she is playing week in and week out for the defending A-League Women's Champions. Um, listen, I don't think she's ever going to be a Ballon d'Or winning Ellie Carpenter type, but she's going to turn into 
I think, a very solid pro, not just in Australia, but I think she's got what it takes to turn into a very solid pro overseas, maybe jag a few Matildas caps, maybe um, prove her adaptability as well and move around the pitch. So I think she is primed to take another step this season. Well, thank you. Thank you, Joey, for joining us on the show for our A-League preview show. We'll hopefully have you on the middle of the season, see if your predictions have held up. And uh, where can we read some of your stuff coming out this week? Uh, I will have an A-League women's season preview in ESPN Australia alongside Marissa Lordanik. I will have a solo A-League women's season preview in The Guardian. Um, I will have a bit of a look ahead to the 2023 Women's World Cup in Optus Sport. I will have an A-League uh, women's feature um, on uh, one one player in The Guardian at some point soon. And I will also have an A-League's women column in The Guardian coming out on Monday. Right. And I will also be filing on all the press conferences and the like on my own <laughs> website, jdlmedia.news. Your computer is going to be finished. We better yeah? let you go. You've got a lot of articles to write. Uh, it's like uh, Mike Tyson, you know, with fluid information. Uh, just go go to your Twitter feed, <laughs> at Joey Lynchy and uh, find all his stuff. Joey, brilliant stuff. Thank you very much. And I'll also be calling the Doherty Cup final on uh, <laughs> Sunday alongside Josh Parrish. And I'll also have a preview out for that on Football Victoria's right. pages. Look at that. Busy man. Busy, busy man. Come on. All right. Shall we'll, we take a short break? We shall. Oh, before we do... You couldn't hear that, Joey, but that's the uh, sound effect. One in the swear jar for yours truly. A-League women is what it's called. Please, come on now. Pickett, she lays it off. Teresa Polaris! It's an absolute peach! Here's driving! What a hit from Melina Rez! Wow! And Sam Kerr has a hat-trick. Meet him up! I can say I went back. Sorry, I just missed my cue a little bit, but I can just say I got a little bit captivated by the music. You know, I was, I felt, I felt the energy, you know, and you know, it might be because the Matildas were about to play in about 20 or so minutes. But before that match, let's talk about their game on Saturday. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the result they were after, a 3-0 loss, another loss to the United States women's. Unfortunate early goals conceded in each half that kind of really derailed the yep. Matildas. Josh, what were your thoughts on the uh, the match? I think we're in a World Cup cycle now. We're 18 months out. I think it's probably time to stop experimenting with random teenagers. Come who've... on, Josh. I Seriously, it's oh, I'm with you 100%. we got to get the first team out. Is Jessica Nash going to play in the World Cup? Probably not. Um, I Look, we, we need centre-backs and there are more conventional, safer options out there. Maybe you get that million to one chance, find a diamond in the rough, he can slot in there in the pressure games, who's still a teenager and has barely a season of A-League women's under their belt. Less likely than slotting in Jenna McCormack or Emma Checker and having them do a job. That is all we need a defender to do is do a job. And look, if Polkinghorne and Kennedy are fit, they'll probably end up starting most of the World Cup matches. But that is, you know, prayer hands up. My... I think we're a little, maybe a little bit harsh on uh, Nash and Nevin. I will say that because Alana Kennedy was not fully fit, she couldn't have played mm. on Saturday. And she probably will not. She's definitely not going to start tonight, even if she, if she might not even come on. I will say it was Baptisms of a Fire, the best, one of the yep. best teams in the world. But I, 
even if Alana Kennedy and Claire Polkinghorne were to play, I, it doesn't instill me with the greatest amount of confidence. Watching some of these European players play, they are very quick. They The passes are sharp. And I don't know if sometimes Alana Kennedy or Claire Polkinghorne are able to withstand that pressure, especially when we're seeing Alana Kennedy play for Manchester City this year and struggled a few times mm. and conceded a lot of goals with some of her performances. I don't think there's an obvious answer there, but I don't think uh, it's it helps. Morrison. Okay, Sorry. yeah, right, the uh, naturalisation committee at it again. Uh, look, <laughs> I, I don't think there's an obvious answer who is currently eligible uh, on passport status. Um, there, it doesn't really exist. Maybe somebody will emerge over the course of the WWE season. I've got big tickets on, on Chelsea Blissett. Of course, but Look, uh, the other... Uh, I, I'm more criticising the mentality than the individual players who've been brought in. I'm criticising the... Gustafsson mentality of these games are all about experimentation and there's no pressure and it's not about the result. They got pumped 3-0. They played well for about 20 minutes. Yes, I will. And there was an open goal miss were, from Kai were... Simon that could have changed the game, of course. But, you know, this it wasn't, it wasn't a great showing and didn't instill me with confidence. And I don't think we've got as much time as Gustafsson seems to think we have. Speaking of missed opportunities, there are about four clear opportunities in the first half that on another day they maybe go in. Kai Simon's probably going to have dreams about that miss, which oh. that was that was my dad, who doesn't really watch women's football that much, comes to me randomly goes, did you see that miss? And I and he, it had been like two days since the game and he goes, that was, that was a bad one. And I was like, I totally agree. But for me, I was reading something. Somebody was telling me, saying that Tony Gustafsson's playing is a defensive style of football. Well, somebody show me this defensive style of football because <laughs> – we concede goals for fun at times, and it's not—it's not a very compact squad. If it was more compact, and we were losing one nil here, there, I think I could get over that because we have Sam Kerr up front to, you know, get us one or two goals in a game. But if we're conceding three goals, there's not really much hope for us, and we're in a shootout. And nobody wants to be in a shootout for a football match. I think part of the issue is playing Emily Van Egmond as a six again, and we've talked about this way too often to go over it in detail, uh, but it doesn't work and it is defensive vulnerability when the ball is inevitably turned over. So uh, I just don't see the point in playing her there, regardless of who's available or rotation or what have you. I thought it was really encouraging uh, what we saw from Kyra Cooney-Cross in previous games, even if she's not that practice in the robber, but the more minutes she can get in that position, the better. And I just don't really understand the point of playing Van Egmond there. I think we will uh, see some some rotation tonight at the lineups out for this uh, this game tonight. We shouldn't spend too much time talking about it because when people listen to the podcast, this game will that already have happened. Exactly. So it's got a very short yeah, shelf, shelf life. But what do you want to see change in this game? What do you want to see improved? I want to see, I want to see like, just more like more passing through the midfield and like a little slower of a build up and not just this long rushed cr- ball across from mm. Steph Catley or Ellie Carpenter. Ellie Carpenter did have that great cross to uh, Caitlin Ford, which got uh, Kai Simon that opportunity. But I don't want to be seeing that mm. twenty four. I want to see more intricate play. If you have possession a little bit more, we can create something and get Sam Kerr, you know, to not be waiting on a cross in the middle of the. Uh, the penalty box and, you know, have an opportunity to play with Caitlin and play with Kaya so they can, you know, get a few more goals. I'm just looking at the lineup here. Out. Looks like Ellie Carpenter at, at centre-back to me. Okay, with, no. With Courtney Nevin. Wait, okay, I'm, oh, we need to stop right now, okay? <laughs> this is fundamentally one of my biggest pet peeves, okay? Yeah. How is Ellie Carpenter, yeah, one of the best right-backs in the world, yeah, Josh? And 
Square peg, round hole. And yet we play her as a centre-back. That right there is a problem in and of itself. You cannot put out a lineup and have confidence that Mm. Alan Carpenter is playing as a centre-back. That loses all her, like, great ability... Oh, no, Josh, that's upsetting. Okay, upsetting. Yeah, Pakua's very upset. I'll read out the rest of the team. It looks like Nevin uh, with Carpenter at centre-back to me. It's not in formation. Uh, Catley at left-back. Looks like Hayley Russo at right-back. There's a lot of attacking players in this team, so it is a quote-unquote attacking lineup. Uh, Van Egmond, Fowler, Yallop is the midfield. It's Kaya Simon. Oh, Cooney Cross is in there as well. Okay, I'm going to have to rejig that. In fact, I think it will be Van Egmond, Yallop, and Cooney Cross in the midfield. Fowler is part of the front three with Simon and Kerr. Do not love it. Do not love it. Josh, I don't want to, I don't want to speak. I, I think uh, Pakur is a little bit emotional. So uh, let's take in a, a short break. And uh, shall we come back with a special guest? Be special reinforcements. Lethal guest, yeah. Man, international man of mystery. He's on at the net behind this break. Come on. <laughs> Pickett, she lays it off. Teresa Polaris. It's an absolute and we're back from our final ad break. I'm Long, and this is always my co-host Josh Parrish. Oh, we're on FNR Radio W. We have a special guest on my right hand side. See, as I was a football sack intern last year, mm-hmm. the new football sack intern this year. Mr. Oscar Rutherford. Oscar, welcome to Radio Dub, the best show on FNR. How are you feeling? I'm feeling all right, thanks, Pakua. Thanks for having me. I know that you hyped up this show as having one of the best, most experienced football journalists in this country on, so I'm glad you found time for Joey Lynch as well. So. Oh, <laughs> funny, funny Bang. man. Yeah. That's good, that's good. Yeah, I like that. Come talk. on. Sorry. Now, Oscar, yeah. as a football second turn, we all, you have a team. Which team are you covering for this season? I am covering Melbourne City this season, Melbourne City men's and women's teams. Okay. Well, you know what? Since this is a football, a women's football show, tell me your thoughts on Melbourne uh, City. Women's, what, are you, what are your predictions for them this season? Yeah, I think it's a good question because I think Melbourne City are a really interesting team, obviously underperforming last season um, and have made just so many signings in the last like few months, just so many. And the thing that really gets me is, well, well first of all, all, like so many of the signings are young players. They're, they're clearly building for the future, which is, which is really exciting, I think. But also, so many of their players are defenders. They've signed so many defenders. And, like, I know that lots of that's just kind of nominal. Like, they don't have to play there. They could play in midfield. They could play further up the pitch. You've got Caitlin Torby, for example, who can play higher up and Tyler J. Blanish, that, those kinds of players. But also, uh, my, my worry for Melbourne City, Pakua, is where are the goals coming from? Like, they've brought in Hannah Wilkinson, New Zealand international striker. But yep. other than her... Mm. They're relying on some really, really well, young players. I said to Oscar before the show started, I said Chelsea Blissett was going to be scoring a lot of goals from head, uh, head at set pieces. So that's where their other goals are going to, 20 goals are going to come from this season. I mean, Hannah Wilkinson is a pretty experienced uh, target woman, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's, she's, she'll add something up front, even if she's feeding on scraps. I think she looks like a good acquisition. But they've also lost creativity. I mean, Kunatsukura, I thought was quality, just used incorrectly. She's gone. Uh, Alex Chidiak obviously off to Japan. So uh, the supply line I don't think is there either and probably going to see this five at the back from from Rado Vidisic again. Uh, I'm not convinced that this team is going beyond the mid-table. Ooh, 
Oh, that's a different one to uh, what Joey had before. Mm. Why? Why do you say that for you? Why do you think? That? I think just think it's a bit stodgy. Okay. I, I think they've they've got this five at the back. You know, it worked really well when you had Steph Catley and Ellie Carpenter, but they're marauding wingbacks or fullbacks. They provide so much attacking thrust, and that team barely conceded a goal all season. And, you know, they won often by quite narrow margins. Not universally, of course, um, but it wasn't a hugely entertaining team to watch despite the star power on display. Now you've got a really young team without those star names, without potentially that threat from wingback and that attacking width. And it's essentially just a line of five defenders and one really decent-looking striker up front. I don't, I don't see how they're going to create too many scoring opportunities. I think they'll be hard to break down, but... I mean, similar to you, Oscar. I just think it's, it's too uh, bottom-heavy, this squad. Well, you know, I, as an Arsenal fan, I, I do love Steph Catley. She is my favourite Matilda, okay? So, obviously, it will always be hard to replace mm. someone of her skill level. Who is a player in the Melbourne City squad that you think is is actually going to be really exciting, though? Like, I know you have a little, you're a little bit cautious about, like, how the, defen- the defensive they are looking. Is there a player going forward or even maybe a defensive player that is exciting for you to, to look out for? Yeah, I mean, so they've brought in Rihanna Policina from Newcastle. I think she's a really important signing for them in the midfield because she can kind of pick those passes and be that creative outlet that, that they've lost or that they're, they're missing with the likes of Kira and Shidiak having, having gone. Uh, they've also got, you know, a couple of really, really young attackers. So supporting um, Hannah Wilkinson, they've got Holly McNamara, who's I think just 18 years old or something like that. So they, they, they've, as I said, a team building for the future and, and, and so that kind of makes them a bit of a wild card. You don't really know what to expect from lots of these players. Um, and, and so they could blow us away and be you know, way better than we thought and, and have this electricity and be like the team to watch. But equally, you know, may, maybe they'll find it hard going against some of the best teams in the country kind of thing. Well, you know, I always throw in a nugget from my uh, mm-hmm. FV emerging watching last yep, season, yep, yep. and it's Caitlin Courage, who I'm oh. hoping will make a few appearances. She's very young. Very, very young, very raw, but she's got unbelievable pace and power to be thrown on a flank in the last 15 minutes of the game. I think she can burn any defenders, be it professional level or, you know, MPL. I really I really was blown away by her and many defenders were in yeah. the MPLW season as well. So I think that's a, a really shrewd pickup, even if she takes a while to adapt to, to the level. And I, like, I think it's a really good point. I think it's exactly the kind of player that Melbourne City need, but of course it's putting so much responsibility on someone mm. who's so young. So it's kind of, that, that's kind of their major downfall is that although that, you know, particularly in the long term could be a great acquisition... In the short term, I'm not sure how well it's going to go for them. I, I like to look at Letitia McKenna as well. Mm. I mean, she's experienced in W League or A League women's terms. Uh, Josh, um, is that a swear jar? That's a swear jar. No, 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 no. Past experience. Okay, okay. Oof, I'm just we're, we're trying to say the correct name here. We are a professional uh, show here, so we try to stick with the professional she's names. Experienced in W League terms and carries that experience into the new era of the A League women. Yes. That's the way to phrase it. That's the way to phrase it. Come on. No, no, uh, no, no swear, no oh, That's right. I had the sting Teetering well. on the line, but that's okay. It's okay. <laughs> um, you know, she's only, uh, what is she, 19, 20, but she's played some uh, serious senior football. So that's that's a good good acquisition. But I still have my reservations. On the other side of town, though, at Victory, they look absolutely stacked. I don't see how this Victory side isn't winning the league. I mean, Sydney FC maybe can uh, put it up to them in a one-off uh, finals match, but this victory squad, I think, was going to run away with the Premier's plate. Well, Oscar, 
he brings up Melbourne Victory. And I know you're not limited to just the city side. I know you did your research. What were you, when you were doing your research, what did you see from Victory that you really liked? No, you're right. I am a versatile performer. <laughs> I, I bring plenty, pr- plenty of qualities. Uh, <laughs> yeah, look, I think that Josh's argument is very persuasive. I mean, it's a championship winning team and the core of that squad's the same. Lots of the young players get an extra preseason, an extra year to get even better. You've got, you know, Kayla Morrison, Claudia Bunge, uh, Polly Doran, all these kinds of players, let alone Melina Rares up top and, and uh, Kyra Cooney Cross. And so, and so I completely understand why so many people are, are making that point that they won the league, they've got the same players, why can't they do it again? The thing that I feel like we're sometimes skimming over is the fact that last season, the victory weren't like runaway leaders or anything. They weren't far and away the best team in the comp kind of thing. Well, I mean, they finished third in the regular season and made the grand finals. So. Exactly. So, so in that way, I wonder if the fact that they won the grand final has kind of clouded our vision a bit as to how good this team is. Maybe maybe I'll be my team, my words, but, you know, the likes of Sydney FC, they finished higher on the ladder than them. And I know that they've lost players, but they've also recruited. So, I mean, I, I, I don't think it's as clear-cut as it feels like some people want to argue that it is, because not, not that I'm saying that's what Josh is doing, but but there are lots of other good teams as well who have maintained really good squads. And, and so the victory... I don't, I don't think are significantly better than lots of the teams. I, my whole thing about victory is they just have the X factor so many, in so many parts of the mm. park compared to other teams. Other teams have really nice, great squad squads, but when I look at Melbourne victory, I, they have game winners who can change the match in just a split second and can they can play different styles of football and I think some other teams in the A-League women's are very limited to one style and if it doesn't work for them, they struggle to, you know change it up. That's how I feel about City, actually. To bring it back around, I feel that Radovic's teams in that uh, sort of five at the back, passing in the U-shape, trying to work it across the pitch, their plan in possession seems a little bit, if plan A doesn't work, do plan A better. And I think Jeff Hopkins is maybe underrated in terms of the coaching ranks. He's a very popular figure, obviously a really fantastic guy, but I don't think he's ever been seriously considered for... Uh, coaching positions further up the tree. Do you think he should be? I don't see why not. Yeah. I mean, if Victory pull it off again this season and win the and our champions or win a, win another trophy, Premier's plate, I, I don't see why he shouldn't be in the conversation to be the next Matilda's boss. He's, he knows the competition better than anybody, well, and he knows Australian players. He's been there here for a long, long time. I will say Tony G is on a he's on a clock uh, like I said, the clock is ticking. <laughs> I, because I think it would be uh, premature. But, no, 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 no. I'm just I'm just saying that. We are getting closer and closer to the Asian. Uh, what was my brain just? The Asian went, Cup. Thank you. My brain just. Champions League. I, honestly, too many I mean, names. There is a women's Champions League now. It's a pretty limited competition, but hey, hey, women's it does Champions exist. League is. I, I get up on Arsenal. Oh no no no! I'm talking about Asian women's oh, Champions okay. League. <laughs> if Arsenal's not playing, come on. Am I there? You're not, not no, going to no. get up and watch the Mitsubishi. No Diamonds no no! Or... I will I will I will. Australian footballers are everywhere in the world, and you've got to watch them. Mm-hmm. Um. But he's on a clock, and I, I, when we get to the Asian Cup, if they don't perform as well as they should, then maybe there is time we should, you know, start looking at some of these coaches in the A League women's because some of them are doing some some great work. Yeah, I, I honestly think he's doing a fantastic job, and it's not just about the talent on paper; it's also about the morale in the dressing room. You watch those Melbourne Victory players if you go down to a training session; everyone's having fun. Um, 
know, he's mentoring all of them individually. because no, no, they're playing. Uh, the millionaires is playing ACDC and everyone's, of course, they're yeah, having often fun. about. Come I mean, on. But we, we heard about the sort of individual mentoring that goes on there. I mean, uh, telling Molina Air, she has to get five tap-ins this season and everything else is a bonus. I like, I, I like that style of, uh, exactly. of coaching. I, I, think it, I think it works for players to give them sort of individual targets in their minds. And, yeah, I, I, I just have a lot of time for Jeff Hopkins. And I, I feel like he's sort of slightly avuncular style means that he isn't considered... Word of the day right there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he seems like he's your, your you know, fun uncle at, you know, at family Christmas or something. <laughs> Uh, he comes across that way, and I don't think he's considered as seriously as these coaches who are very like technically minded and serious in the way they deal with the media and so forth. Yeah. I just don't feel as if he's taken seriously enough based on his achievements. Anyway, that's well, my tangent for the that's day. That's okay. guess we heard it here first. Javuncular. <laughs> Jeff Hopkins. Honestly, I need to get a deal. I'm not going to lie to you know that word. Well, Oscar, before we go, you were in Sydney and you actually did see the Matildas' performance in, you know, in in, in person, the in the yeah. flesh. You told me it wasn't the greatest vantage point, but you still saw it the game in in the flesh. What were your thoughts on that before we go? My thoughts were that the Wiggles were excellent. <laughs> I cannot recommend them enough. Yeah. Um, crowd engagement, top notch. Like it was, it was, it was a great spectacle. Um, don't know if that put off Jess and Ash and Courtney and Evan, but um, I think it put off Emily Van Egmont. I think she thought the ball was a hot potato. Yeah, yeah. might have put off Ellie Carpenter for a second as well. And and Kaya Simon tried to mash a banana over the crossbar. Yeah, yeah. that's right. That was a stretch. Maybe the Kai Simon one, was a bit, it was, the ball was a bit too hot, so it just flung off a b- okay. b- b- hot potato. I don't know. My Wiggles material needs some work. I'm Wake up, Josh. This game. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> this is this is a professional show. We yeah. we have you know mm-hmm. Wiggles banter. Come on. Yeah. All right. I I, sh- I shouldn't have brought them up. I apologize. Um, yeah. But you know, I don't, I don't know what to say that hasn't really been said about about the the performance. Three nil was harsh. Didn't deserve to lose three nil. Um, conceding early goals in both halves, unfortunate. Then a really soft penalty. So on another day, it would have been a really different game. But you know, you can say that about every game. Um, I know that it was that, that it's been spoken about having Ellie Carpenter at centre back, and I know you don't want to talk about it anymore. That upsets me. Come on. But but I did spend ten fifteen minutes at the start of the second half without the benefit of the broadcast going. That is. That is Ellie Carpenter at centre back. That is what's happening here. I'm not. Sometimes I'm not I have mad. nightmares about it, and I go, "Oh no, that's that was a, that, that wasn't a dream. Actually, that actually happened in real life. It's upsetting." Yeah. Well, thank you, Oscar, for joining us. Hopefully, we'll have you back on. You know, again, when Melbourne the season's actually kickstarted. Thank you, Josh, as always. If you do want to listen to this after, you can always listen to it on Spotify, Spotify, Apple Music. Or any website. Podcast. Apple Podcast. Oh, when, it's the same place, are we really? going to be on Apple Music? Are you? Are he, of course. You come single? on. A single rap rap verse <laughs> is going to be on. Dub EP. Come on. Uh, thank you, everybody. Thank you, Joey, as well, who was on at the start of the show, and uh, we'll see you next week. Pick it. She lays it off. Teresa Polias.